What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. Buenos dias. For those of you that are speaking Spanish this morning, those of you tuning online, I'm going to go ahead and do this again while I'm thinking about it because I forgot a couple of weeks ago. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you tuned with us online this morning, but what we want to do is invite you to come down and be a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri. Next Sunday, we'll have a special guest speaker next week, which will be my friend Stafford Lee Moore Jr. And I can't wait to see what word God has for him to bring next Sunday. And those of you here, we will be continuing this morning on our series that began last week. Remember, it was just going to be a two-part series talking about in God we trust. And we have it all over our money. It's on our coins. It's on our cash. We see it out by the roadside. But the real question that we're discussing is... Is there something to it, or is it just a good phrase that we throw out there whenever we really need, you know, God to do something with saying, well, we trust God, we trust God. We say we trust Him with our lips, but do we really trust Him in our heart? So uh, this morning, we're going to start with our key passage. We're going to be talking about just what I said, trust God. The second part of this message, if it needs a title, that's what it would be, would be trust God. So last week, we talked about expect the unexpected. So the other way you're going to see God moving is if you expect the unexpected, what you're not expecting. My question, I believe I talked about this last week, it may have been the week before, but it should have been talked about last week if it wasn't, is what do you come to church expecting? Is it something you just come to church every week because, you know, mom went, grandma went, maybe, you know, sister, brother, whoever invited you, they went, so I went, so we're going to church, it's a traditional thing, it's a Sunday thing, or do you really expect God to do something when you show up? If I were to ask around the room this morning, how many of y'all have needs? How many of y'all would just raise your hand real quick? Nobody's got needs. We got one back there that's going to be honest. Needs. You've got needs in your life. We all have needs, whether it be finances, whether it be other needs. Maybe it's a health need. Whatever it be, there's usually a need. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you have a need there for something God to move and make that marriage work out. Whatever it is, whatever your need is. And I'm trying not to list all of them because what I'll do is I'll miss yours and then you'll be like, oh, I'm off the hook, right? But we all have needs in our lives. And I say finance, and I start with that one because most people that I know struggle with finances. Some way, form, and fashion. So uh, this series is meant to help us get past that and move on to the greater things God has for our lives. He really doesn't want you sitting around struggling in your finances. He wants you to be able to prosper. The Bible tells us in 1 John, Beloved, I, I wish, I pray that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. So it says even as, and it's not up here, I know. Even as your soul prospers. So he mentions the soul second, but he's believing that you're going to prosper. How many of y'all believe God wants you to prosper? I hope you can believe God wants you to prosper in life. He wants you to get the most out of life. So our key passage is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17 and 19. And here's what it says. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church. Now understand that the Philippian church, I mentioned it last week, was a poorer church. They didn't really have a lot to give, but they were giving to Paul. And this particular part of the note is him thanking them for that. 
Here's what it says. It says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. We'll talk more about that in a second. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received, received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragment offering, or fragrance, sorry, fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Check out how he closes in 19. He says, and my God, some of you have heard this only translated a different way, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. Some of you have heard that verse translated, God will supply all your needs according to the riches in Christ or in the glory of of Christ. So I got a story. I want to start with a story this week. Is that okay? I want to start with a story about myself. So we had first, I'm going to go here. We first, when we first moved to Tennessee, let's just be real. My wife and I, it was eight months before I finally got a job. Because I was applying, places just weren't taking, and all of it was online applications. So how many of y'all know that when you go eight months and the wife's the main supply, yeah, that's a little burdensome. Yeah, we had bills, and here's, I'm going to tell you to this day, I have no idea how we made it through those eight months, other than God, because somehow God provided throughout that eight-month period, and we were able to meet our needs, and here we are still today. But here's what happened on the eighth month. Let me just tell you a little story about me. I decided, and this was actually the second time I went to a prayer meeting. I went to a prayer meeting. What they did at the church I was a part of in Tennessee they had prayer meeting once a month on a Saturday morning. And I had went the previous month. And this was my second time going to their prayer meeting. It was at 9 or 9.30. I can't remember what the time was. They meet in the uh, second auditorium. Because you know, less people show up when all you're talking about is praying. I don't know why. Because that's how we communicate with God. But it's like we want to be entertained more than we want to actually see God's face. So I show up at this prayer meeting. Knowing the mess I'm in. Still trying to find a job. And as I'm sitting there in this meeting, they begin talking, and this thing suddenly just comes over me. And I don't know how many of y'all have ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that's exactly what had been happening. I had been, I think I had gotten a taste before, but never like this one time. This is why they say, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit. As they're sitting there, as they're talking, I just start speaking a language. I don't even know the language. Because what the Bible tells us is we're praying mysteries. The only one that understands our tongue at that point is God. So it's a communication that goes directly to God from the Holy Spirit inside of you and uses you as a communication. Now, here's what happened. So this Sunday or this Saturday morning, I sit there and suddenly I start speaking this language. And here's the, here's the kicker. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying because I don't know what I'm saying, but it's like my spirit at that point was broken. There was no other place to go. So I'm turning to God. I'm crying. I'm speaking a language I don't understand. And here's what happened. The pastor of that church, and there were about four other pastors. They had like six, I think, at that point on staff. And there was about four other pastors there that morning. And he's the main pastor stepped up and he said, you know what? If you have felt the spirit move in you this morning, I want you to come down to the front. Well, here I am, still talking, don't know what I'm saying. I walked down to the front, bawling. I got my hands lifted before a holy God, and they prayed over me. And there was just two or three of those pastors. I really don't know which ones, because my eyes were closed. I was praying, I was crying. And I don't know why I'm crying, it's unexplainable. I'm sitting there in the moment, 
and seeking God, you know, I can sense that my spirit is seeking after what's God got. Because he knows my situation. I don't have any money. I'm a little broke. And here's the deal. Previously, and I think it was before this. It may have been after. But I, I told you the story before if you've been here. God has spoken to me because we really weren't tithing our full tithe like we should have been doing. Because at that point, we, it was paying everything. We had to pay the bills. And God spoke to me. And he said, and this was on a Wednesday. Now, I'm telling this story to get you to where I was at. He said, I need you to give $20 tonight. I looked at my checkbook. In my checkbook, there was $22 and some change. That was it. That had to get us two weeks, right? Because she had just got paid. I'm like, well, God, uh, <laughs> okay. And my wife, you know, she's gotten really good because she knows when God speaks to me to give a certain amount, I'm going to give it. And she, she just gets ready to write the check. She doesn't know at that point what's going to happen either, but she knows she can trust what I'm saying because God has done it over and over and over and over in my life. And I have never seen God fail me yet. Here's what happened. We wrote the $20 check. It was on Wednesday night. We get home. We had checked the mail that day. We get home, open our P.O. box, because they had the little P.O. boxes for the apartments. In there is a $200 check. Unexpected. Didn't know it was coming. From someone who just wanted to bless us. They had made it out to our name. Mailed it to us. What I'm saying is God multiplied the 20. Because I was willing to obey. Now here's the deal. You have to think about how God works. God spoke to me that Wednesday. But he had to have already had to check in the mail before that. So my, well, I wonder if, I, if he knew my spirit at that point. That I was going to do it. And what would have happened if I wouldn't have done it? Would I have been still struggling with $22? Or I got blessed with abundance, right? Because this is how God works. You can't outgive God. Believe me, I've tried. We just can't do it. So when God tells us to give, especially in Scripture, when he tells us to test him in this, he says, bring your whole tithe. Last week we talked about what the word tithe means. The word tithe simply means a tenth or 10% of your income for the week. Now, here's the deal. Jesus said this in Scripture. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Remember when they asked him about the coins? Should we pay taxes? He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. What did he say? He said, but give to God what is God's. Now, here's the deal. And I want to help you out. If you listen, you can, you can prosper in your finances as well. We gave the example last week, and I'm getting ready to get into the text. We're going to look at scriptures because some of you are looking at me like, whoa, 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 okay, where's this? Back it up. Okay, so here we go. I get to that Saturday morning. Let me get back to that story and finish it so we can get into where we're going. I'll tell you about the tithe in a minute. I'm there that Saturday morning. Here's the deal. Eight months in, I get done. I, it was hard for me to get back to English, I, but I did because, you know, it says the spirit is subject to the prophet. That's what the word tells us. So you can't do it. And you can't control it. It's on you. I leave that Saturday morning prayer meeting. Normally it's like an hour prayer. It took an hour and a half that Sunday because there were so many people being filled with the spirit that Sunday morning. Walked out to my car. got a phone call. It was that quick. And I had a job offer on the phone. And at the point, it was Domino's Pizza at that point, which I was just glad to hear from anybody. And they called me. They wanted me to set up an interview. They were offering me a job. I remember when I showed up, I didn't have anything. Within a couple of hours, I got an interview and a job. This is how God works. I get there, and I actually, I only did that job for about six weeks. And here's why. Because God opened the door for me to work in his church under the anointing. I was doing maintenance. But I was in there among the pastors getting communicated. I got to actually have lunch with the lead pastor, which was, to me, it was a blessing to get to do that. 
I was around the anointed people. I was working for the church. And on the side, I had been blessed with a job at Chick-fil-A, which ended up turning into a management position, which I ended up managing the entire store at, before I left and came back to Missouri. But so God, here's what I'm telling you all this. God does not, he will not forget you. He knows that we all struggle with these things. He blessed me that quick. Let's go to 2 Kings so we can get into our text this morning. I don't want to get too far off because I do want to get you guys out at a decent hour. It says now, uh, okay, this is one of the kings of Israel. So 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 2, and here's what it says. Now, Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, Go to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this energy, or injury, not energy, inner injury. Now here's the deal. Who is Beelzebub? He's one of the false gods that Israel was constantly having to fight when they were in their foreign lands. But he's just a false god, which you can understand at this point. The god of Ekron, right? Point number one, and I'm actually going to do it a little different this morning. Your points are going to be questions. Questions to ask yourself. Point number one is this. When you're at a breaking point, meaning when the world feels like it's falling apart around you, with whom does your trust lie? Now, here's the deal with this king. Now, remember, this is one of the bad kings in Israel. Back when they go through all the list of kings, he's one of the bad kings. And we're going to get Elijah in here in just a minute. But uh, So at this point, he's injured. So what is he doing? He's not seeking after the God of Israel, which should have been his God because he was the king of Israel. This was after the kingdoms were divided. This is the kingdom of Israel and Judah's below that. He was seeking a false god to find out if he was going to get over this injury. So check out what happens. We'll get to that in a minute. Proverbs chapter 3. Here's what it says. Some of you have heard this your whole life. 5 through 10. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord. Now remember what the question was. When you're at a breaking point, with whom does your trust lie? The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Ooh, there's a lot of people like that. You know what it's talking about there, I'm sure. We won't get into it a whole lot. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Verse 8, here's what it says. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, here's where we're going to talk about ties in a second. He said, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. We talked about first fruits last week. First fruits of all your crops. What are first fruits? You bring it to him first. That's what we're going to talk about in a second. Verse 10 says, what does he promise after that, though? He says, if you honor him with your first fruits, here's what he says. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I didn't say that. Scripture did. What's God promised? If you will bring me your first fruits. Now, here, we're going to talk briefly about first fruits, but we're going to move on. Here's what I want you to understand as we start talking about first fruits, though, is tithing isn't about money. Tithing is about covenant. If you want to put your finances in a covenant relationship with God and you want him to bless your finances, here's what he tells you you do first. First fruits, here's what it is. When you get paid at the beginning of the week, let's say you get $500 this week, and that's what your paycheck was. We're just using an example. Taxes have already gotten their part, right? That's why they call it your net pay, right? Uncle Sam sometimes gets more than we like, right? 
But here's what Jesus said. When he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God, here's what he's talking about. You take the $500, no matter if there's only 424 or whatever left, depending on how much taxes you pull out of your check. Whatever is left, you start with the 500 your gross pay. You write your check for $50, because that's 10%, right? The 500 is 50 If you get paid $500, you write your $50 check to God. This is first fruits. You do that before you look at your bills for the week. Why do we do that? Because what happens is if you start looking at bills and you start shooting out checks, here's what happens. You get to the end and kind of like the video we showed here a while back, you got that pie and you divide it and you get down to just a little piddly scraps, right? You're looking at what's left because you'd be writing all your bills and all of a sudden you look down. Oh, I gotta give God something, right? Oh, here, God, here's a little bit. Take it. That's not what God calls first fruits. First fruits are this. You trust God. The question is really about trust. We're gonna get to it in a minute. You give him your 10%. So, cause see, here's the deal. It is not considered an offering until after your 10%. 10% is what you owe God. That's what we give God because we owe him that. Because of what he's provided. See, a lot of us think, well, I worked hard to get this job. Well, God provided you the ability to do that job. God provided you with the wealth from that job so that you could go. So you're thanking God. You're saying, God, I trust you with this. Here is your portion. Now let's see what's left. There was a demonstration done years ago, and it was a monkey, right? They had this monkey chimp, I don't know what it was, but they had a coin, a silver shiny coin in this jar. And the monkey was reaching in, and he grabbed the hold of the coin, but he noticed he couldn't get his hand out as long as his hand was closed, because he had his fist around the coin. But when he would let the coin go, I mean, he could pull his hand out just freely. Well, what they found out is that the monkey wasn't willing to let go of the coin. So therefore, they, once he finally did, he was able to say the same with God. You've got to be willing to let go and say, God, I trust you. Before God can give you the abundance or the escape you're going to need. I'm speaking from experience. Well, I already said you cannot outgive God. First fruits means giving God his portion first. That's exactly what we just talked about. Here's what it said. Jesus said to Caesar, I've got to give you that. It's not about money. It's about trust. So if you're looking at this and saying, I can't afford to give you that this week, God. Then you've got a trust issue. It's not really got anything to do with your money. You're saying, God, I don't trust, but you can bless my finances. Let's move on. Second Kings. And we're going to move off the subject. For those of you that are looking at me a little nervous. I know when you get talking about money, people get nervous. But here we go. Second Kings chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Just a way that you can be blessed. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite. See, this is Elijah on the scene. So this king was ruling. It was towards the end of Elijah that this king was ruling Israel. And he said this, go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going off to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. And he's talking to the king. He's giving a message to these messengers to give the king. You will not leave the bed that you're lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. Elijah was delivering a message. Point number two is, do you believe God is your source? Do you believe God is the one that provides for you on a regular basis? The problem with this king is that this king wanted to consult a false god instead of the true God to find out whether he was going to get out of this thing. So God punishes him and he says, you're not going to leave that. Now remember, he was a wicked king. You're not going to leave the bed. You're going to die. And that's what Elijah's message was. Woo, that would not be a good message for you to give a king, would it? So here's the question. Do you believe God is your source? If your answer is yes, 
then that means you trust Him in all areas of your life. You trust Him with your family. You trust Him with your kids, even though they're going to rebel sometimes. You trust Him that He's going to provide for your finances. That's just part of it. You trust that God will provide you with food, shelter, all of these things. You believe Him. So if you're saying, yes, God is my source, that means that you trust Him in all areas of your life. You trust Him. Philippians 4.19 says, remember it was part of our key passage. This was the last part of it. It says, and God will meet. What does it say? Does it say some? No, it doesn't. It says, I will, God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Here's the deal. I'm going to break it in order and move on. Trusting in material things will always disappoint you. It lasts for a while, then at the end, it really doesn't satisfy. How many of y'all have ever bought that new whatever it was you wanted? You bought it, you were so excited when you got it, then you realize, you know, a month or so later, you don't even look at it anymore. You don't piddle with it, especially with kids. Y'all got kids. I know you guys got kids. Kids, they'll want that toy so bad, right? And if you do finally give in and give it to them, just what you, at least I predict to my kids, you'll play with that thing for a week and then it will be somewhere lost and you won't know where it's at. Usually comes true, right? But here's the deal. Material things are always going to disappoint us. They satisfy for the moment, but they never satisfy. We always want more and more. When we're dealing with material, we want more and more and more. What can I get more of? And this society is bad about seeking more. Let's continue our story. 2 Kings chapter 1. Picking up in verse 5 where we left off. When the messengers returned to the king. So they got Elijah's message. They're coming back. It says when they returned to the king, he asked them, why have you come back? Because he knew the trip was kind of quick, right? So verse 6 says, a man came to meet us, they replied. And he said to us, go back to the king who sent you and tell him, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending messengers to consult the Ezebub, the God of Ekron? How many of y'all have ever caught yourself depending on other things besides God? We've all been there. Therefore, though they're finishing their message there, therefore you will not leave the bed you are lying on, and you will certainly die. Now, the king, if he was mad enough at this point, he could have killed the messengers. Because this is not a message he probably wanted to hear. Sometimes the messages aren't that God gives us. Sometimes we just need correction. Verse 7 says, the king asked them, check this out. What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? They replied, he had a garment of hair and had a leather belt around his waist. And the king says, that was Elijah the Tishbite. Just by the description, the king knew who they were talking about. So point number three, are you walking in God's anointing? What do you mean by that? The king knew who Elijah was. Because what Elijah do? He just walked in the anointing God had given him. God gives you an anointing. It isn't necessarily to preach. Whatever it is you do, you come into contact with people. God can, he anoints you if you will allow him to. And are you walking in that anointing? Here's the deal. What Elijah told these men, when they told the king, it made an impact. He knew. He knew who this man was to talk. The anointing was recognized. So here's the deal. A lot of people think they need to attend these huge crusades and these things to get that anointing of God on their life. But here's my answer for that is you don't need to attend a well-known crusade to get the anointing of God. You can get it right here. And when I say well-known, I'm avoiding naming anybody. We're just saying well-known crusades. People, in the reason that those crusades are so successful is because the expectation level 
is so high when all the people come to the building. If you go to a healing crusade and the person who's performing the healing is known that he can heal people, everybody's coming to that place expecting whatever's wrong with their body, whatever healing they need, they expect it to happen. That's why last week we talked about the your expectation is the breeding ground for your miracle. What do you come, and I've asked this over and over, what do you come expecting God to do on a Sunday morning when you come to church? Your expectation is what's going to determine whether you receive or not. Now, if you're not expecting anything, then that's probably why you don't get anything when you leave. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 9, continuing. Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of the hill, and said to him, Man of God, the king says, come down. Here's what Elijah had to say about that. Elijah answered the captain. He said, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. He knew the king was ticked. He says 50 men probably wasn't going to be a good ending. So what Elijah said, he said, if I'm really a man of God, fire is going to come from heaven and consume all of you. What happened? Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. Point number four, do you believe God is big enough to handle your problems? We just got out of the Step Into the Life series. We talked about the galaxies out there. He controls the size of the galaxies, how it's enormous. He's there as well as here. He controls everything down to the smallest atom. That's a big God. But do you believe that God's big enough to handle your problems? It's a matter of faith. Do you have that faith? If Elijah, he was simply walking in his anointing. When he's called fire from heaven... He just said, I know who I am in God. If I am a man of God, then fire will come and consume all of you. What happened? God handled the issue. It wasn't fire, or it wasn't Elijah that brought the fire down. It was God, because Elijah, his prophet, called for it. 2 Kings, continuing there in verse 11. At this, the king sent Elijah another captain, a whole other group of 50 men, with his 50, so 51. The captain said to him, man of God, now check out this guy's approach. Man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. He's a little more demanding, right? I'm sure there's a little bit of pride mixed in that statement. But he approached in the same way. Verse 12, check out what Elijah does once again. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men and then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Point number five, how long do you fight before you stop believing that God is your banner? What do we mean by God is my banner? Remember when we did our series on the names of Yehovah here back in May and June? One of those names was Yehovah Nissi. That name means the Lord, my banner. What is a banner? When kings and knights and Armies would go into battle back in the whatever Middle Ages, whenever they would take or they would take a flag or a banner with them, and the banner let the army know that they were still able to keep fighting. If the banner ever fell, then the army lost hope because that banner was gone. God is our banner. When we're going through struggles, when we're going through trials, so here's the deal: How long do you fight before you give up? Basically, is what I'm asking. Second group comes in. He's still strong. He holds his ground. The enemy doesn't give up easily. You need to understand that. If you're fighting a battle and you're under spiritual warfare, the enemy is not just going to hand it to you and let you have it when he knows what's going to be the end result is that you're going to grow. God's power is unmatched, though. We need to remember that. Philippians 
1, 20 and 21, here's what it says. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, what does he say in verse 21 there? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul's saying, no matter what I win. If I get to live, I get to continue speaking the word. I get to continue teaching the gospel. I get to see, continue seeing souls saved. If I die, well, then I'm in Christ. I'm in a good, I'm in a good spot there too. So either way, I win. That's the approach we must take when we're fighting spiritual battles. Because here's the deal. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So the same God that just helped Elijah in his fight can help you. There's an old acronym was PUSH. You remember those acronyms? Some of you may have seen the bracelets. It says, pray until something happens. That's what you need to be doing if you're a Christian. You don't just give up because the battle's getting harder. You pray harder. You continue to pray until something happens. Second Kings, continuing in verse 13. Here we go. So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. Check out the difference here in the response. The third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, check this out. Check out the difference in tone here. He begged. All right, here you go. Man of God, he begged. Please have respect. Some translations say have mercy on my life or for my life in this translation. And the lives of these 50 men, your servants. Woo, that's a totally different approach, right? See, and here's what he's talking about what happened. Verse 14 says, See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men, but now have respect or mercy on my life. You notice the change of tone? The first two came up with the pride and they were like, Get down here. King wants you. Oh, I just said no. The last one's like, Please, right? Can you, I could just see the soldier begging. Please? You ever seen your little kid, maybe they really want something, you told them no, 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 no. They come up to you at the last and they give you that, please? Well, for me, usually my answer is still no. But sometimes that makes you give in a little easier, right? They know that. That's why they do that. So this soldier is begging for his life. Notice the shift. The third party was begging for their lives. They knew what God had done to the previous armies. So here's the deal. Reality is in the spiritual realm. If it's demons bothering you day to day, Things coming on your back, don't carry on conversation with them. If you're a born-again child of God, cast them out. You've got the authority. God has left you that authority. But cast them out. We're going to wrap this thing up. 2 Kings, we're getting starting in verse 15. We're only going to read through 17a. That's why it says here, because then it starts talking about something else. But here's what it says. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. So now he's got permission. Go down. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down to him, or with him, to the king. So he's following the captain. He's going to the king. And he says the same thing to the king as he told the messengers. He told the king, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you, or sorry, let me start that again. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Beelzebub. In other words, did you not think God could handle it? So you go to seek this false God, the God of Ekron. Because you have done this, here's what he says. You will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. 
So, so number six, do you move when God says to move? The first thing I want you to notice is Elijah didn't move from his spot till the angel said, okay, you can go with them. Okay, I will, I'll go down with them. So do you move when God says to move? He waited for God's okay before he went down. The deal we got to understand is that we've got to wait for God's timing and stay in his will. There is no greater authority than God, so if he's promised you something, he will see it fulfilled. When the trials come your way, trust in God and not something else. Now here's the deal. Remember I talked about Ahaziah, this king? They believe he lived, and this is just so you can see where he fits into history, around 853 to 852 B.C. That's when this king was around. The message is the same today. Do you trust God? Ephesians 3.20, we looked at this last week. I want to look at it again, except we're going to look at the NIV translation this week. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably, whoo, that's a lot, more than we can act or all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work Within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He says God is able to do exceedingly. I like the other translations better, but immeasurably says the same thing. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine or some translations say think. Now I can think quite a bit. I can imagine quite a bit. God says I can do more than that. What are you expecting God to do in your life? See, here's the deal. A lot of times we, we make these plans because we feel like this is what God's telling me to do. But really, we're not thinking big. We need to think big picture. If God's in on it, there's a big picture. There's something big he is planning. But we always got these small, narrow-minded. We're going to talk about that in a later message, so I'm not going to go there. Last question. Are you willing to keep moving forward into everything God has for you? Because it's really up to you. How far are you going to go? It's up to you. Are you going to see everything fulfilled that God has promised you? Or are you going to give up when it gets too tough and walk away? Here's what James 1, 17 to 18 says. I'm going to wrap up with this verse. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows. Verse 18 says, He will choose to give us birth through the word of truth. That we might be a kind of, what does it say? First fruits of all he created. That makes you pretty special. God considers you a first fruit. I'm here to tell you this morning, you're a somebody. Don't let the world tell you you're a nobody. God has given you a purpose that only you can fulfill, which makes you important to God's ultimate master plan. And you need to realize that as you're walking forward. Here's the deal. If you're willing to keep moving forward in the trials... God is going to see you through to the other side. This morning, I know we've hit on a lot. I know it went probably a little bit longer than I normally go, but there was a lot of good stuff mentioned this morning. I hope you had caught this. Really, it probably should have been a three-part series, but I did it too because I wanted to get things ready for staff coming next week. So here's the deal. You're sitting out there looking at me, and if you missed any of that, you can go back and check it out or check out last week's if you missed it. We talked about first fruits a little bit more, explaining that. Because we want to see you prosper. That's what we want to see. That's our goal, is to see you prosper in everything that God has for you. So here's the deal. You're sitting out there. You've never accepted Christ. You've never become a child of God. That's where our journey starts. Everything else I've said comes afterwards. It starts with salvation. So it's talking about repenting. The 
Bible talks about this thing called repenting, which means you turn from this way or your own way and you head a different direction. It's really simple. All you have to do is ask. I think people make it more complicated than it really needs to be. You simply ask, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you missed any of that, obviously you're fine. Or you can go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Go to the Road to New Life link at the top of the page. It will walk you through the process. Why do we need saved? Why, why is all that? What is the deal with this salvation thing? It's all there. Something similar to the prayer I just prayed is there as well. Pray the prayer if you missed it. It's, it's all right there. If you get through that or if you prayed this morning to receive Christ as your Savior, I want to know about it. There's a contact form at the bottom of that last page. Or you can simply go to our website, go to the contact us page, and send me an email. I want to know. I want to celebrate with you. Your next step is baptism. And then you need to become a part of the fellowship somewhere where other believers can help you to grow. So thank you if you're tuning in. Next week we're going to have... Stafford Lee Moore Jr. in the house. He's going to be speaking. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. He's going to be bringing his church with him. So we should have a pretty good crowd here next week. So I would encourage you, if you've got nowhere to go next week, come on down and be a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri. There's never been a better time to start today. So God bless. We'll see you next week.